Hey, Murdoch, have you ever heard of the Didache? The Didache? Man, get out of here and go read your Bible. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast. I am Chris. I'm Yerdich. All right, so we thought we could do it all in one episode. Clearly, we were off, so we're just going to jump right back where we left off in the last one and get into the conversation. So, if you didn't listen to the other one, go do that because you're jumping into a continuation. It's good stuff. It's all for your good. Yeah, it's all for your good. All right, let's go. As we're talking about the book, let's just get into it now. Yes. So, the first theme that we're going to launch into is the moral instructions. Um, It opens up very similar to Psalms 1 in Matthew 7, 13 through 14, with the two-way options of life and death. Uh, So I'll read a little bit of it. It says, there are two ways, uh, one life and one death, and there's a great difference between the two ways. Um, So it just comes off that way, and I think we struggle with it, being only two ways and two options. I think for a lot of us uh, as people, there has to be another way. There just can't be... uh, God or no God option. There has to be something in the middle that makes it easier for everybody. You're saying God or no God. This is written during a time where atheists don't exist like that. Mm -hmm. This is written during a time where it's like God or the rest of the gods. Right. And this is being presented like anything else is leading to death. Mm -hmm. Only Jesus to Yahweh is leading to life. Yeah. And it's again why I think like today it's just it's a cold option for us. Uh, it's so black and white, uh, but from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, that is what the Bible lays out, right? Mm-hmm. It's life with Christ, uh, death apart from Christ. Like you just said, it's Christ or no Christ. And during the times of the Bible, yeah, they had all the other gods. So this was saying like, this is it. This is the one true God. Um, and according to the Didache, uh, this uh, way of life, when you read uh, verse 2, it says, the way of life is this. So I love a book that's like, it's simple. Follow these instructions, yes. you know? Yes. Uh, after getting out of just finishing Enoch, like you said, the Didache is a much easier read. Uh, but it says, first, you will love the Lord your God who made you. Secondly, love your neighbor as yourself. And whatever you would not have done to yourself, do not do to others. Uh, so, again, nothing contrary to Scripture here. In fact, supportive of Scripture. What does Jesus even say? Uh, what are the greatest commandments? Love mm-hmm. God, love others. Um, and then even in that one verse, there's a little nod to the golden rule that Jesus said, right? Do unto yep. others. Um, so what's the way of life? First, you have to love God. And then second is love your neighbors. And then... And like as Jesus says, the second is like it. Mm-hmm. And because what you get through a lot of this is more of here's how to love others. Right. right. As, yeah. as you get into these moral codes, it's not so much of like, hey, cool. So well, it does get into prayer, right? Mm-hmm. At a point, we get into prayer, but for the most part, it's here's how to interact in the community on what the way of life is on a person-to-person level, which makes sense because if you look at um, the epistles of John, right? Like, hey, you can't say that you love God if you're not loving your neighbor. And don't say that you have love if you're not doing these things, right? So it's really bringing the practicality of what it means to love God into loving your neighbor. Yeah, and it's it's a supportive idea, too, that uh, you want to show God you love him, you're loving others. You know, that that's how we actually do that, is by loving the people around us. Um, it's the most practical, noticeable way that I really do love God. 
Well, even as you said, you like it when it just puts it so directly. Yeah. Because Jesus is like, hey, look, there's going to come a time when there's a judgment. And there's going to be these people on these side, the sheep, those people mm-hmm. on that side, the goats. I'm going to say to the sheep, hey, you love me. You clothed me. You fed me. You visited me, right? Like, when did we do that for you? Whenever you did it for the least of these, you were doing it for me. So Jesus, very clear cut, is saying, go and love others. Mm -hmm. And through doing that, you're doing it for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So So again, this is all tied in with scripture. Yeah. And it does define the way of life. When you look at verse three, it says, uh, now the teaching of these words is this, bless those who curse you and pray for your enemies and fast for those who persecute you. For what credit is it of you to love those who love you? Don't even the heathens do the same. But for your part, love those that hate you, and you will have no enemies. Mm-hmm. So even then, again, this is sounding very familiar, right? To me, it's, it's, you're hearing the Sermon of the Mount all over this. But I know the part that you like in there is uh, fast for those that persecute you. Yes. So, it, it, yeah, it gets into this kind of simple instructions. And one of them, like, bless those who curse you. We, we've heard Jesus say that. Um, pray for your enemies. We know that one. But, yeah, that fast for those who persecute you was just uh, eye-opening in, a, in the concept. Like, uh, suffering for someone who's coming after you. And, and persecution to us as Christians today in America, um, you know, we kind of just think of people who are mocking us, people who are slandering us or making fun of us. Which most people don't, but if you had a platform of any size, oh, you might get canceled yes. or shadow banned. Yes, yeah. Someone might leave you some nasty comments or like make a video against you. Or but most of us don't have that kind yeah. of like anything. Yeah, and, and that's what we would look at as persecution. But like for back then, this, these are people coming after their lives, their oh, families' yeah. lives. This is real persecution. And uh, the command was to fast for them. And I've done fasting. Um, and I've talked about it here on the show. I actually do fasting, uh, almost weekly and I've got to change it according to the Didache, but I fast Sunday. Yeah, I picked on you yeah, when you were talking about yeah. it. I fast, uh, Sunday to, uh, Monday. So I'll go like Sunday night, my last dinner, uh, meal to Monday dinner. And, uh, I'm bringing in the Jewish fast of evening to evening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of it is for you know, seeking God. Some of it is just like the health benefits of... Intermittent fasting. Yeah, intermittent fasting, you know. Um, so <laughs> Didache was way ahead. Way ahead. Uh, but fasting is tough. Just to say that, all that is to say fasting is tough when you're hungry. Um, and, and again, 24 hours is, is doable. Maybe I'll get a headache here and there, but it's doable. Um, you go into like a two-day, three-day fast, uh, you get cranky. You get, uh, I, I remember getting one time just a headache that felt like the worst migraine I've ever had. Um, and it's just a struggle to do it. And as I, I know as you do it more, your body starts to adapt to it. Um, but it's, there's pains. There's internal pains from being hungry. There's all the side effects of like, I mean, I think usually my headaches come from caffeine. Mm-hmm. So there's that, you know, I get no caffeine headaches, Um, but it's a tough thing to go through. But to do that, to put myself through that, not to seek God in a sense of like finding clarity in an answer or a situation in my life, but to do that because someone's coming after my life and I'm not doing it to stop them, I'm doing it for them, was just such a revolutionary thought. Yeah. 
Um, again, so this is the teachings of the Lord. And the whole purpose of the teachings is that we would become more Christ-like. And just when you're seeing like, oh man, how you treat your enemies. Mm -hmm. And here's how Jesus through the 12 is teaching us how to become more like him in loving people, right? Because Jesus comes down and he's like, yeah, so many people oppose the Yahweh. I'm going to come down. Eventually, you guys are going to want me dead and I'm doing nothing but love you. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to empty of myself and, you know, keep giving and keep blessing. And think about Judas. Judas is the one that betrayed him. He's like, no, come alongside. You're going to be right along with the rest of them. And, you know, I'm not going to treat you any different. Mm -hmm. All the same opportunity. I'm going to send you off. You can perform the miracles too and all this stuff, right? And that's where I think it says, if you love those that hate you, you'll have no enemy. Because at least as far as you're concerned, nah, man, you're not my enemy. I am loving you like I would love anybody else. Um, side note, as far as fasting, don't let Chris scare you. <laughs> because there are plenty of people who fast for any number of reasons, and it's not that kind of experience. So if you have whatever going on with caffeine, yeah, maybe you get the headaches and stuff. But there's a lot of people who just like start fasting, intermittent fasting. That's blown up. And mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people that are just purely doing it for health benefits aren't like, oh, this is the worst thing in the world. Like, you know, they're able to move things through. But even in just looking... wait till you get to day two or three. And then after day three, it gets better because your body's yeah, like, I've oh, heard we're doing that. something yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, But um, even on the thing of fasting through. for those that persecute you, it reminds me of the Old Testament teaching to where people are like, God's talking... Do you think that the fast that I'm desiring is for you guys to have, you know, mm -hmm. sackcloth and ashes and, oh, woe is me and all this stuff? Like, no, go out and help the oppressed and stand up for the people and do what's right. So I even see that tying in there that, okay, I'm fasting, but fasting for my enemy, just like, they're an enemy because of the spiritual war that's going yeah. on. I'm going to fast to see what's righteous thing can be done in this situation. So, yeah, that's a great point. It really is. Uh, in there also is generosity. You can see that in verse 4 through 5 if you go and read it. Um, and it's also read in uh, chapter 4, verses 5 through 9. In, in, um, gosh, should I read them? Yeah. All right. Uh, chapter 1, verse 4 through 5, it says, Abstain from carnal and bodily lust. If any man strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him. I thought you were going to read chapter 4. Oh, all right. I'll read that one then. Here you go. Uh, do not be one who stretches out his hand to receive, but shuts them when it comes to giving. Or whatever you have, uh, whatever you have gained by your hands, you will give ransom for your sins. You will not hesitate to give, nor will you grumble when you give, for for you will know who the good paymaster of the reward is. Like really, verse four too to me is this idea of like. Uh, you you don't hesitate to take from God in a sense mm -hmm. to stretch your hand out, but when it's time to give back or to help someone in need, uh, you put your hands in your pocket real quick, and that's where I really love the idea of this generosity. Is just that like uh, generosity is all about just giving. It's a whole different mindset of change in your life and thought process. It's not about um, doing it to receive more from God. It's doing it because that's just my nature. I'm giving to people who are in need. And I, I heard this, and I can't remember where, uh, but they talked. It was me. Probably. Uh, it's going to sound really smart. Uh, but they talked about uh, the giving idea. Um, and a lot of times that uh, nowadays we get so caught up with, um, well, that guy, it's just a scam artist, the homeless person on the corner who's asking for money, or they're just trying to con us, the guy holding the sign off the freeway. Um, they said something along the lines of, it's not your job to determine 
their motives. Your motives are just to give. What they then do with the money is going to be on them. Kind of almost what it's saying here uh, about like uh, the ransom of your sins and don't hesitate. Like that's going to be on them. Um, and and I, that's really kind of changed my mindset of what generosity is. It's not about like who deserves what and who should get. But it's just having that nature of like, I see someone in need and I should help. This thing on generosity, and I'm going to go back to those verses I told you. Don't read those, read the other things. Yeah. But kind of tying it all together, um, where Jesus says, where your treasure is there, your heart is also. Mm-hmm. And there is a whole teaching going back to like the first century and beyond of really how your money ties in to where your spiritual life is at and how all of that ties in. And we don't need to dig into it, but even if you get in some negative aspects, it's like, oh, if you're poor, it reflects poorly on like your spiritual status and all those things. But the thing of whatever the work of your hands, give it as a ransom for your sins. Mm-hmm. There really was this concept in the early church of not paying for absolution or whatever it was that I forget the term with the Catholic church. Why kind of like when the Reformation came around, like you guys are trying to tell people they can pay oh, to get the yeah, sins. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, alms? Alms? No, alms is given to the poor. You got me. Whatever it is. It's not that concept, but it is the thing of when you truly have a contrite heart and you're realizing, oh, I have been saved and God isn't withholding his hand from me and he is blessing me and he's giving me opportunities to work and all of these things. I want to make amends for my sin not that I could ever pay the full price, you know, in terms of earning forgiveness or anything, but it is the thing of like, I'm going to try to make things right or better or put myself, you know, on that end of the scale through giving and through providing. That's one aspect of just there was a tie in between, yeah, not that you're paying to get rid of your sins or paying for forgiveness, but that it was like almost an appropriate response mm-hmm. to be like, oh man, I'm sinful. I'm going to contribute. But then going back to, and we've talked about it before, you, you brought up the thing of giving to the person on the side of the road. I believe that the teaching in the New Testament when it comes to giving and generosity is primarily to those that are in the community first. Yeah. And after that, to those outside, which yes, including the marginalized and stuff, not to neglect, but it's first to those that are within the body. And that's where in verse five of the first chapter of Didache, says, give to everyone that asks of thee and do not refuse. For the Father's will is that we give to all from the gifts that we have received. And then it goes on, blessed is he that gives according to the mandate, for he's innocent. So basically the teaching here is, hey, somebody within the community has a need, you give to them. And it's even saying there's a mandate to give. And you're blessed if you give according to that mandate. You're innocent in that regard. But then it goes on to say, but he who receives it without need shall be tried as to why he took it and for what. And being in prison, he shall be examined to his deeds and he shall not come out thence until he's paid the last farthing. That last part is a quote from Jesus talking about, you know, figure out things if you're on your way to court with people. But going back to your point of it's on us to give, but within the community, we really have to guard against people receiving without having a need, taking advantage of people. Right, Because throughout there's teaching in the New Testament like, hey, if you're going to be part of the Christian community and not work and contribute, you're worse than a pagan and a heathen, right? Because when you come into this thing, that's not, how we, that's not how we function. So there is a thing on me as a giver. I, I should be open-handed towards people that have. But we also need to protect the community and be aware of like, well, is there real needs and what's going on here? 
and not just there needs to be a level of awareness yeah i, I read um in the book not safe by matt or mark i think it's mark Patterson. yeah um uh, it, it was talking about john wesley and he said at the end of it like what wesley used to do was like if he made x amount of money his first year he learned to live off of that mm-hmm. and whatever he made after that he was giving so like at one point he was giving 90 percent instead of um 10 percent because he had his lifestyle of living was set to that mm-hmm. amount that he was making and, and at the end of it it said that wesley had the motto of um and i'm going to not say this correctly, but I'm going to say it in a way that I still remember, uh, that he receiving, ga- getting more from God wasn't wasn't to increase his living style. Mm-hmm. It was to increase his giving. And uh, that's really spoke a lot of volume in my life and what me and Justine aim to do. It's uh, the more money we make shouldn't then uh, lead to like, well, now we could do all these other things and live a comfortable lifestyle and all that other stuff. It should increase my level of giving uh, to the people who are in need in the community or to the church or just wherever God has laid in your heart to be generous. I mean, sometimes uh, we've taken our our generosity and just been like, I don't even know so-and-so, but there's someone who's in need and we've seen it through a friend of a friend and we're just going to bless them through it. Right. So there you're you have it predecided. we're going to be generous, mm-hmm. but then you're looking for the need. And I think that going further into verse six of the first chapter, but concerning this, it was also said, let your alms sweat into your hands until you know to whom you're giving. Mm-hmm. And I think that going back to that thing of people on the side of the road, and I do that, I'll give. And I think that there's something to that level of generosity, but I do think that there's something to knowing and having a higher level of involvement and I don't think that it's right to give where people are just taking advantage. Yeah, and there's a lot of ways to give. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the generosity of your heart could be like, you see the person on the side of the road that's been there for two weeks, every day for work, make them a packed lunch. As mm-hmm. you're going, you have your packed lunch, give that to them as well. Uh, so there's other areas that you could be generous where it's not always financial. And to even tie in, it's, I think, a Dominic, because he works with the homeless population, mm-hmm. just like... Like, man, the answer is not always just like throw money at the thing because people are going through all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, it's hard to get people through some of the problems that they're at. And I get that. But I think too about the story of the Good Samaritan to where it wasn't just like, oh man, you're there on the road. And, all right, well, here's like some ointment and a bandage and a sandwich. Mm-hmm. I'll catch you later. It was, oh, what's my love towards this person? Like, I see you here. I'm going to do everything within my means to move you along, right? I think mm-hmm. that's a question when we're looking at generosity is that what does it mean that everything within my means to love somebody? Yeah. That's where I think that's the generosity goes beyond 10% tithing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if 10% tithing carries over into the New Testament. People can fight me about that one. <laughs> I think that the generosity that's taught goes beyond that. Mm-hmm. Just like what Jesus taught about the law goes beyond that, right? Yeah. And that it goes into that, well, what's the most that I could be doing mm-hmm. to help? It really comes down to because the two ways uh, at the beginning of everything, before you even get into like baptism mm-hmm. and prayer and all the other stuff, the two ways of life, uh, what they're doing is establishing who we are. Yeah. And they're establishing what we do. Yeah, it's giving you your identity within the community. Yeah. Like, it's not just like, here's rules to follow. It's like, here's the character mm-hmm. of somebody who's within the church as a Christ follower. Because then chapter two spends on like, 
uh, it's the field with the you will nots. You mm-hmm. know, chapter two is filled with uh, if chapter one is like this is who we are. Chapter two is this is who we aren't. Uh, so you won't, um, I'm going to sum up some of it. You won't murder, commit adultery, commit sodomy, uh, commit fornication, still use magic. Uh, you won't use love potions, uh, procure abortions, covet, perjury, false witness, speak evil, malice, uh, be a hypocrite, be proud, or even make evil plans. Like this is the things we aren't to do. And, and so chapter two is kind of comes at it from that angle of like, okay, this is who we are. This is who we aren't. And there is a list of things in there. You're like, yeah, I could get on board of uh, no murdering. Uh, yeah, I could get on board of not stealing. Uh, who's using love potions nowadays anyways or magic, right, if we're thinking of it a more thing. But then it gets into, like, uh, abortions. And we're like, oh, wait, you know, that in our modern day is something that we're like, wait, what now? Abortion and infanticide. Mm-hmm. It labels them both, right? And within that, I'm also going to go back to, it says, not commit sodomy. Mm-hmm. So when you look at those things, and those are hot topics in today, mm-hmm. and again, if this was in the Bible, because the Bible, I think that it's very clear on these subjects, but sometimes people are like, no, I want just the straight verse that yeah. says it that's completely unambiguous on the thing. I'm like, well, there it is. And as far as I'm concerned, this is the teaching of the early church, right? And when you're looking at abortion and infanticide, I think that when you look at the law of the land, a lot of that up to the point of like, yeah, but I think that some of the laws are just like, no, nah, you can like the baby can come out and then just leave it there to die. That's a horrific like. Dude, Chris, I don't get that. Yeah. Like, I don't get who can have a living baby and just like, no, well, it came out of the womb, but it's not wanted. So. It's just going to die now. Mm-hmm. And it's just like where people say, oh, no, well, abortion isn't fully that and all this stuff it's like that's. It's the same mindset that leads to all of that. Mm-hmm. And in saying this, I know that people listening to the show, some people probably had abortion and been involved in that. And it's like, none of this is to come and be like, oh, you're the most evil person. I can't believe that you would do this. But it's like, we're all in the mode of learning and learning what the way is and the way of life is. And obviously, when you're getting into abortion and fantasize and these things, it's just like they're precursors to that thing. Going back to not committing adultery and fornication and this stuff, right? There's a way that fully leads to like, well, let's not even get to the point where abortion is on the table. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. just like, I feel like where our culture is currently at is so far beyond. that's like, we're missing the blessing of the way of life. It's just, just, hey, imagine you get with somebody and neither of you have been with somebody else. You stayed virgins and you become married and you stay with each other. And that's your mode of sexuality that you're living in. Nobody's talking about killing children and all of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's I just feel like the conversations that happen. Huh. And I, I'm glad the way you brought that up was like this leads to this mm-hmm. because that's what chapter three is. Yeah, that's what chapter three does. Chapter three is like if you do this, this is gonna. Lead. I think it talks about a, a don't lust for if you lust, at least the fornication. It leads to this, and then eventually. Uh, you're doing all the things that an adulteress would do. Uh, don't have pride in your heart because if you do, it leads to jealousy. It leads to uh, contentiousness and all this other stuff. And then that's what murders. That's what leads to murdering and all the stuff that it does. Uh, and so it gives this huge list of like these things live lead to these things. And again, the, the fantasticness of what the Didache offers is like you're saying that simplicity. Oh, only if it was in Scripture. And here it is. It's like, and, and I'm sure there's portions of this concept in scripture that if you do this it leads to that 
but it lays out a map of like, I think one, two, three, four, five, five things that if you start here, it leads towards worse things in your life. And again, who we are is chapter one, chapter two and three are talking about, okay, this is what we aren't. And this is, don't even start with this, get this out of your life, remove it as far as possible. And some of the teachings, I mean, you talk a lot about this at various times of just, you know, a level of commitment and dedication and of really sticking to and like, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times that's a lot different of a culture and a community. But chapter three, verse one starts off with my child flee from every evil man and all like him. And I think about New Testament scriptures that talk about, you know, what in common does light have with darkness and don't associate with people and all this stuff. And that's just not the way that I see the American church functioning. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have the thing in mind of flee from evil men and even what an evil man is. Because it goes to talk like literally the, best, the next, next verse says, be not proud. And it's just like, you're talking about flee from evil men. And then it says, don't be proud. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, where is our barometer for what sin looks like and how we associate with people? And, you know, obviously within the church, we're working through things right? But from what I see across the board is that there's a lot of people that are just as likely to be hanging out with all of their non-Christian friends, even preferencing that over people within the church Mm -hmm. so often. Like a teaching from the day is, no, flee from that kind of relationship. Yeah, it's interesting too. It starts off in that chapter uh, with the proud, Mm -hmm. but I was just looking at it right now while you're talking and verse seven goes, uh, but I always love butts in the Bible because mm-hmm. it's like if it's the comparison, right? Yep, so yep. here's one, here's the other. Uh, but uh, be meek, for the meek will inherit the earth. Uh, be long-suffering, be merciful. Uh, and it just goes on and on and on. And then it ends with receive the accidents that befall you as good, knowing that nothing happens without God. But it starts off as, okay, don't be these things or don't hang around with these people because it leads to all this. But then be meek because the meek will inherit the earth. And you're like, Sermon on the Mount, right? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Yep. Uh, and then that, even that last verse in it, uh, you know, receive the accidents, that's just a lot from Romans chapter 8. And we know that all things God works for, uh, the good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. So again, if you're looking at this book and you're thinking like, well, why isn't it in the Bible? It is basically scripture written down mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, and some clarification and stuff. Again, where they're looking at, oh, it's kind of like from the Talmud. Mm-hmm. which is Talmud was a lot of commentary and stuff on the Old Testament, you know, just kind of fleshing things out a bit. It's that same kind of teaching. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally we got like a chapter five. Um, and so then you're like, these are the ways of, uh, this is the way of life. And chapter five is clearly marked out, uh, but this is the way of death. And it just lists uh, a lot of uh, things that you shouldn't do, uh, because that will lead to death. And a lot of them are very similar to Revelations 22, 15, and 21, 18. Um, so you have a lot of that. Uh, let's see, I'll read a few of them. So what is it? That's like the list of sins that yeah, people have yeah. that in mind. Yeah, yeah it's basically that. Uh, I'm not going to read a lot of it because I want people to actually be like, what's he talking about? And then go read it themselves too. Like, go read the Didache. It's going to be great for you. But it's very similar to Revelations 22. And, and I think that's a really cool thing because even in uh, Revelations 21, 8, uh, after giving the list of the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, sexual immoral, those who practice magic arts, the adulterers, and liars, uh, 
they will be burned by the fire, and this is the second death. And just really tying those two together is that the idea of like, this is the way that leads to death. And you're like, well, there are people who do these things and nothing happens to them in this life. But the second death is Mm -hmm. the one that's going to get you. The judgment of where God separates, like you were talking about earlier, the goats and the sheep. And that's the one that we should really be concerned about. And this is why it starts with that separation, because there is a way that leads to life. And that life doesn't mean a great life here on this earth, uh, as far as like successful and prosperity that we would think of it today. It just means a way that leads to life after it. And the way that leads to death is the way that leads to death after this life. I think yes, but I'm also going to bring it to a point of within this life as well, to an extent, obviously not the fullness, as Michael Heiser would say, Mm -hmm. already but not yet. Yes. So much of what the Bible is like, we get glimpses, it's already but not yet. Um, Because when we're looking at this as a community handbook, so to speak, right, we're looking at the church as a community. And one of the things that we don't get in America, because America is built largely on Christian ideals and foundations to where none of the stuff that when you become a Christian in America, it's well, now it is, but for so long it wasn't causing you to like be ostracized from family mm-hmm. and cut off to where, oh no, you literally are choosing between your birth family and being part of the church. Where mm-hmm. Jesus says, hey, gotta love me more. And you're coming into this family, right? And we don't have that in America really to where the church community is full of called out people that have been called out and brought out and made holy and standing really different in that kind of a way. Um, But I think that that's supposed to be the point of the church Mm -hmm. and the fullness of the church here on the earth is to have that level of community to where going to chapter five, partway through verse two, right? He's talking about all the bad people that fall the way of death. It says that they're corruptors of God, God's creatures, turning away the needy, oppressing the distressed, advocates for the rich, unjust judges of the poor, altogether sinful. Then ends chapter 5 saying, may you be delivered, my children, from all these. Yeah. And I think that some of that deliverance, yes, ultimately there's a judgment, but I think that deliverance is like, no, you're coming out of that way of death. Mm-hmm. And when you and everybody else that follows the way of life, for as much as possible, your daily experience, you aren't experiencing those things anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there can still be oppressors from outside of the community pressing in on things, but like now there's the opposing fighting force of the way of life against that. Not in some scattered way and not in some way that's only hoping for it to take place in heaven, but in like, no, no, we're, it's Jesus's prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're starting to see that slice of heaven you know, here on earth. Starting to see um, the vision of Daniel, right? That that rock that was cast not by yeah, human yeah, hands yeah. coming and sh- taking down the empires and growing till it was bigger than all of them. It's like, that's supposed to be the church and like the church community coming in as that nation from Revelation chapter five, all these things. It's like, I feel like there's a reality to it that we don't quite get in America that brings it into now and not just fully for the future. Like we get to experience the life now and fully then. Yeah, and I like the way that chapter uh, sums up everything, that deliverance word, mm-hmm. uh, because it is freedom. When you think of deliverance, it's like a freedom from something. And that's what the Bible presents to us, is that you can be delivered or freed from the things that have kept you in bondage. And this list is like 
uh, cursing, murder, adulterous, lust, fornication, theft, idolaters, witchcraft, charms, uh, robberies, false witness, hypocrisies, the double-hearted, fraud, proud, malice, jealousy. You're going to tongue twist the dude. It keeps yeah, going. It keeps going <laughs> it keeps and going, going, going and going. And you could look at that and be like, oh, I don't do that one. Oh, but I'm not a murderer, but man, I, I do suffer with pride. Um, yeah, sometimes I'm double-hearted. Sometimes I'm leaning in and I'm leaning out, right? Uh, from those from whom meekness and patience is far. Yes, meekness and patience. Uh, and if you have no patience, then you're, you're on the list. Um, but you could be delivered from those things uh, and gain freedom from them because they keep you in bondage. Someone who has struggled a lot of my life with anger uh, that's a bondage kind of feeling, and, and you get trapped in it because you don't really know how to express yourself without blowing up. And I would really love to do that without blowing up, but it's just like you're trapped in it. But the freedom that Christ gives you and to walk in that new way where mm-hmm. you're meek and you're generous and you're blessing those who curse you, and instead of uh, giving someone the middle finger on the road when they cut you off. You just let it happen and you keep moving on with your life. You pray for them. nothing happens. Or yes, you pray for them. Or the person who's driving really slow and you feel persecuted because of it, you fast for them. You know? I don't think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like It changes your lifestyle. Your lifestyle changes. And I, I really think it's interesting that this ancient document that was for new believers focuses on so much of what we do and not so much on what we believe. Uh, because to me, Christianity is first and foremost not a philosophy, but it is a way of life. Yeah, and that's literally what they were called. They were mm-hmm. the way. Yeah. It's the way of life, right? And that's what's being presented here. And I think we talked about that. I forget what episode it was looking back, but when I was talking about that disconnect that from like that what we believe to how we live. Mm-hmm. And I like this because it puts what you live up front. Yeah. And it's, again, you... it's like James is just like, this is how you live by what you believe. Mm-hmm. It doesn't separate the two. Um, but coming down to that, I think uh, chapter six, which wraps up this thing of um, the two ways, it says, see to it that no one makes you err from this way of the teaching, for he teaches you without God. For if you can bear the whole yoke of the Lord, you will be perfect. But if you cannot, do what you can. And concerning food, bear what you can, but keep strictly from that which is offered to idols, for it's the worship of dead gods. And just looking at that, I see, I like both aspects to it. Like, look, if anyone's trying to take you away from this, he's teaching you without God. Like, that's not coming from a godly place. But saying, look, if you can bear all of this, if you can follow through, you're going to be perfect. You're going to be mature. You're going to be complete. You're going to get the fullness of what this is supposed to be, mm-hmm. right? By following this teaching, you will be made perfect in this. And it goes, but look, if you can't, do everything that you can. So I like it for both aspects. It's like, look, you can do this. Jesus isn't putting an impossible task before you. Like, follow me. You won't be able to. I'm going to keep telling you to do it, but you can't really. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no, follow me. And here's what this looks like. But then the allowance is like, man, again, different levels of hurt, habit, hang up, littleness of faith and just all oh, circumstance and all these things. Like, it can make that very difficult and not to give an excuse. I think that God's grace needs to fill that place and can continue over time to bring you. But almost like, hey, hey, you don't need to live in shame. If you're doing everything that you can do, yeah, come still be part of the community. Yeah, and work on everything. Because I think of it as working out. Um, and then I'm going to go back to uh, 
the philosophy thing because I had something else with that. Okay. Uh, but I want to get this out before I forget it. Um, like the working out thing is like, if I were to work out, I'm a pretty healthy guy. I, I know where I could start at in that journey. You know, I could go run a mile and start there and then lift some weights. I'm not going to lift heavy weights. I'm going to lift what I can, right? But if I were to just say like, I want to get in shape and get really fit and I put on weight that I can't lift, it's going to crush me. I won't be able to do it. And I think this is really that concept of like doing what you can in gradual processes that make sense for your growth and your health. Um, there are things that you can do right away that I'll be able to take off. I, for me, one of the big things was uh, swearing. I, that just kind of died for me really quickly. Um, there are things that I still, like I said, pride and that was an issue, but that one's faded a lot. I was going to say that within that, I think that most of the things when people go and read the list and the whatever things to move away from, almost all of those things are like, no, that can be a clear cut stop yeah. of like, yeah, stop the fornication, stop whatever that relationship is, stop stealing, stop the idolatry, stop the witchcraft. Like that's a clear defined point. But then from that, as you're learning, it's just like, oh, what was the root of that mm-hmm. in there? And you're learning a new way of life to let go of previous behaviors and thought patterns and move into the thing so i think that's like it's both mm-hmm. i think it's like yeah oh man i'm just really struggling to stop with witchcraft it's like nah you just need to put that away that, that's what that was where my yeah. point is like there are things that i can lift yeah. right there are things i could get off me uh but if i try to just overload myself with being perfect i guess was the terminology what i was headed towards uh that faultless and and what we think of perfection no complete um, mature right that's the right way it should be thought of uh that weight of perfection for many people who have come into Christianity has crushed them. Uh, but it's when we really understand what perfect means, complete in its completeness in Christ, uh, it helps change what we're doing. Um, and really all of this goes back to what I wanted to say originally before you started talking was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you invited me onto this podcast so that I can talk. Uh, was about the, that it's not about theology. It's about how we interact with each other. Mm-hmm. It's how we love God. And the Bible is clear, and you brought up James a lot. Uh, James is clear when he writes in there that the demons believe in God. They know who he is. Uh, but what separates believers uh, from the demons isn't our belief in God. It's how we live according to God's ways. Uh, to believe in God and not let it change you, to believe in God and be like, yeah, I'm going to still do the witchcraft thing. Uh, That's what James would call demon faith, Mm -hmm. Uh, to believe in God and be like, yeah, I believe in God, but fornication, you know what? My lust is kicking in. I'm still going to have sex with this person. Uh, That's demon faith. Um, It's the way, and you brought it up again. It was called the way, and Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through me except through the Father. Uh, The first thing he says is the way. And it's about living the way uh, that Christ and what the Word of God has established for us and following in that way. I bring it up all the time because I think it's a perfect example to this. David was way worse of a sinner than King Saul. Um, But Saul went after his own way. I think it even talks about where uh, Saul made a sacrifice to God, and then the next chapter later, he's making a monument to himself as where David was always about God. Even when he messed up and fell, it was coming back to God, uh, trying to live the best way, you know, doing, the, uh, doing what he could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the important parts of it. And that, that's why I really love uh, 
the Didache, and I really loved how it set up the beginning of it. And then, you know, we're going to get into chapter 7 through 16 in the next episode. We're going to talk about the rituals and things. But I like that it was like, in order for you even to get to this point, you have to make the decision on which way you're living and which way you're headed. Because if you're going to still do these things, you're, you're not going to be part of the community. And within that, the understanding with a document like the Didache is that Jesus came, these are his teaching. And we're, whereas Jesus said, follow me, we're teaching you how to follow him. And you notice in here, it's not really about like, oh, you're a sinner and you want to go to heaven and there's all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you want to come into the church, then you need to have that going on. Not to say that those things aren't part of it, but it's not separating the gospel from discipleship. It's immediately saying, hey, the gospel, which is going to bring you out of the kingdom of death or the way of death into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of life, right? Is it the gospel that does that? also makes you a disciple of this mm -hmm. and the two aren't separated and again going back to that thing of there is the expectation and the encouragement that and you can do this and you're surrounded by other people who can do this and we're doing it together and to wherever you can't we're at least we're all on the same page with this stuff you know what i mean to where i was like ah oh, no god knows my heart yeah i, I think in i, I probably wasn't said, but it's always implied in my mind. So I'm going to just say it, uh, that when you do follow the way of, of life, um, it, it's not about the heaven part, although that is a good part of it. It's about the relationship with God, that in doing these things and loving others, that's why it started off, love God. And then it showed us how you love others is how you're loving God. Mm -hmm. uh, by doing these things and staying away from this or that, uh, that builds your relationship with God. And that's the most important thing. That's what, uh, going back to Heiser, what he opened my eyes with in that what God wants. He wants a relationship with me. And doing all these other things just tears that relationship apart. It breaks it down. But if I just aim to having a good relationship with him by doing all these things, it enhances that relationship. I get to know him more. I get to see him in a bigger light. I get to put my faith in him more and trust him more. Um, and I, knowing him is what makes heaven complete. Uh, I was talking to someone uh, after our 100 live recording, and they were like, I grew up thinking that heaven was a thing, so I didn't do the things because I wanted to get to heaven. And I told him, it, it, I said, uh, so we think about cake, and what's the best part of cake? Everyone says icing, right? And everyone would think that heaven is the icing on the cake. Uh, but the reality is heaven's like the bread. It's like the layers of bread in between. The relationship with God is the icing on the cake. That's the best thing I could take from that. Well, that's what Jesus says. Eternal life is this, to know the Father and him whom he sent. Yeah. Right? I should have just let you say that a long that's time ago. Jesus defines it. Yeah. And it's like, so what is eternity in heaven? It's knowing him. And that know there is the intimate knowing mm -hmm. that happens, right? And so it's the relationship. It's like, that's what the eternal life is. And that's where we can experience it here. And then fully when we're there, you know, when we're free of all the stuff that screws up that relationship. Um, I think another way of looking at it is, is it's really not about you getting into heaven so much as it is about heaven getting into you. Mm. I stole that from someone. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds sound like it. I don't have one-liners like that. <laughs> no, you don't do that. You do long sentences uh, that go on for a long time, but then at the end, you're like, oh, I got that. I'm going to say, looking at all of this, mm -hmm. I look at a world today that the way of death is all over the place. Yeah. 
and people are ignorant of the way of life and have all kinds of misconceptions about what it means to be a Christian. And whether you're in the church or out of the church, there can be misconceptions. But when I look at like, man, what is needed? It is for me. It's for you. It's for everybody who's put their faith in Christ to follow the way of life. Because mm-hmm. that's when I think that where Jesus says that we're called to be the salt and the light, right? Yeah. We're not, there we're really having our saltiness. We're not losing the saltiness and being trampled out. We're really having the light that's shining, not being hidden. We're really bringing the force of life into the world because that's what's needed and that's the gospel. And I think that it comes through, honestly, our obedience to really following a way. Because mm-hmm. not complicated. Like, hey, knock those things off, move forward in these things we're going to see the tide turn in a really major way. Yeah. All right. I'm Chris. I'm Yurdle. We are your church friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody out there in the world. The latest update of the Christian Translator app has tons of new features. But one of them would definitely help with those hidden phrases or terms that you may not be familiar with. This specific new feature is understanding the Apocrypha option. To activate this feature, you go into your settings, you click on languages, and then select Apocrypha to unleash all the hidden terms and phrases. Now, when you hear your friend say something like, the Lord of Spirits, the Christian Translator app will simply say, that's God. Or if they use the term watchers, the Christian Translator app will translate that for you to angels. With just one easy switch to the New Testament Apocrypha, you'll know that the term Didache means teaching, and the Shepherd of Hermas wasn't one of the names of the shepherds who saw Jesus when he was born. It's also a fantastic tool when discussing the animal apocalypse. Yes, that's a real thing. You won't have to worry about sounding foolish anymore around your extra scholarly friends with the Understanding the Apocrypha feature. So update the Christian Translator app today and never be confused by what your Christian friends are saying again. The Christian Translator app helps you understand the language of the saints.